0: Hey, parents and little adventurers, ever wondered where hot dogs come from? Dive into a world of wonder with the new children's book about cellular agriculture. Cellular agriculture? What's that? It's the science behind tomorrow's foods. Discover the journey of a family barbecue in a way that's fun, educational, and downright tasty. Grab your copy of Where Do Hot Dogs Come From? on Amazon today. Yum! The future sounds so delicious. Curious for more? Visit www.hotdog.fyi. Happy reading. We're excited to have Fabio Zimson as the guest for today's episode. Fabio is the Director of Innovation at NX Food, a Metro AG subsidiary responsible for concepts in the digital environment of food and food innovation. As a blogger for e-food Blogs, he organized meetings throughout Germany for the food startup scene, such as German food startup meetups, Next Generation Food Think Tank, Food Startup Market, and more. Since 2017, Fabio is also the co-founder of a co-working space, Super 7000, and the Food Next Initiative. Fabio, I would like to welcome you to the Cultured Meat and Future Food Show.
1: Thanks for having me here today.
0: Fabio, tell us a little bit about how you got started in the food and retail tech space.
1: Yeah, thank you for asking me. That's a really good question. Um, I think uh, it started all in two thousand and seven when I began uh, in 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 metro with an apprenticeship just as a normal co-worker for for uh, the wholesale business. And what I thought back then because I studied marketing beside my apprenticeship is that at one day, the whole food industry will also be digitalized. And um, so this was the beginning when I started to think about, okay, if the books can be sold online, if shoes can be sold online, why or where is the problem to sell also food online? And this is when I started to think about food and to think about how the way or in which kind of uh, uh, ways uh, food can be digitalized. And I started to look with a friend of mine very close into the topic And it all started to begin in a very, very interesting way when a friend of mine had the idea to start a company where we can sell on a subscription basis organic food online. And this was a very, very good beginning. And um, I saw that the whole community of founders and entrepreneurs in this space was very small. And this was also the reason why I started community building in the food tech and food innovation environment with startups, co-working spaces, investors, and, um, so there was some kind of movement that, uh, has been started back then. And, um, through the eFood blog, I created all over Germany different meetups, conferences where people come together, discuss about the challenges and also about new solutions in this food environment. And when I saw that, uh, it's not only about selling food online, it's about the whole intersection between technology and food, it become more and more interesting. Uh, For me, And um, I would call it now that um, we have an area where you can say that this is the Internet of Food because we are not talking about a vertical supply chain anymore. We are talking about a decentralized network where every party of the whole ecosystem can can get an interaction with, with each other. And this is what makes me so exciting about the whole field of food and tech.
0: And to step back a little bit, you mentioned uh, Metro. And so for those of us that are not familiar with Metro, uh, maybe give us a quick explanation of what it is.
1: Yeah, Metro is an international operating wholesale and food retail company. Our core brands are Macro Cash & Carry and Metro. And as the name says, we are specialized in wholesale and have over 260 wholesale stores in 25 countries. We have also a subsidiary that's called Real and also some brands which we consider as um, food service delivery companies, like, for example, Classic Fine Foods, Rangis Express, or in France Pro Apo. Besides this, we are also operating a lot with startups and therefore we have a Metro Accelerator, what we call. This is a startup ecosystem for Horica, hotel, restaurant and catering focused companies and also some retail uh, technology-focused companies.
0: When we're talking about food innovation, what are some of the major innovations in food tech that have come about over the last few
1: decades? When we talk about food tech, um, there are uh, really a lot of new innovations, what I would call them. So that means that not only through digitalization and new technologies, we have now the ability to bring all the parties in the in the food market together. We are now also able to get in contact with the source of food. And I think that one of the major uh, changes that happened to the food system is that we have not longer such a strong gap between the point of production and the point of sale. Because if we are looking into the food system nowadays, and consumers, they can get in contact with farmers, they can in contact with, get in contact with the industry and also with the retailers. So this is one big change that we are now facing, that the whole food system itself is changing. Second thing is that we are talking about in saturated market, about a democratization of food. That means that there are so many new food influences and so many new food Um, ideas that many people can really develop their own tasty profile what i would say because when i for example imagine in germany there are not only uh, there are so many different kind of restaurants uh, coming up and everywhere that i think okay um, or that i can create my personal food profile and there's nothing which is offered to me what i haven't eaten before so i would say Due to the democratization of food and to the high level of food presence everywhere and in every corner and in the supermarket, etc., and also through the Internet, I'm able now to create my own food profile based on my personal values. And this is also a big change. And the third big change is quite similar to the first one. It's due to new technologies, we are also able to relocate the point of production. So that means, for example, if I'm looking to the topic of vertical farming, I'm now able to bring the yeah the, the point of production into the cities, and this is very very interesting because when we see a verticalization in the in 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 retail, for example, that new nowadays retailers start to process, they have their own noodle manufacturers, they have their own um, coffee roasteries or coffee roasteries etc. This is something that has really changed. So the, there's something, I would say it's a, the intersection between processing and uh, food selling. And this is also very interesting that we have there a huge development going on.
0: You previously mentioned decentralization. Um, it's, it's hard to think about that without thinking about blockchain. Are you using any types of blockchain technologies?
1: We are looking into many different kinds of blockchain solutions nowadays, because for us, blockchain is, um, as you said, exactly one of the new technologies that, that enable us to bring all the participants in, in the food ecosystem together. And if we have a decent sensoric infrastructure and data capturing points, we are really able to build up or to to, to show this kind of new blockchain into the food system. And of course, this is something that is really, really crucial for us to give transparency and traceability to our customers. Because I think in the future, if we are talking about the retail model, it is absolutely important to strengthen our value proposition in trust. Trust in food quality, trust in transparency, and also in traceability. And this is something what we need to take care of, and this is why we are looking into many different kinds of solutions here.
0: It's interesting to think that if I was to walk in a grocery store today, I would have no idea really where where those bananas came from or where those strawberries came from. But it is actually it would actually be really interesting and almost important to know where your food does come from. So, do you think that in the future we'll see retail stores where um the consumer will be able to specifically know where their fruits and vegetables came from, or even maybe where their meat came from?
1: Yes, I think so because um it is absolutely important that the whole retail industry redefines their role in the food ecosystem because, as I mentioned before, when we were talking about the retail business five, ten, fifteen years ago, there were some um, clear roles of the retailer or some clear functions of the retail business. It was the distribution function, the marketing function, the pricing function, the assortment function, etc. Nowadays, the retail landscape has changed. And as I said in uh, in one question before, we have now an intersection between all the different parties in the market. So the retailer itself has to have to re or the retailers have to redefine their role in the food ecosystem and there it is absolutely important that the value proposition trust is underlined and this trust in the food safety and also in a good curation uh, of a food system can be underlined by having this transparency in field and this is why it's absolutely important to give a certain guarantee that we take care of the selection of products product which we bring to our customers and so this is also the reason why I think the retailer is so important for future food solutions because we are the ones who are a part of or we are not I wouldn't say the border but we are the ones who give some kind of market control we are looking to the right solutions we are also looking how they can be translated or how how they can be communicated in the market and therefore this is something that's really important
0: there are many types of new protein alternatives coming to the market. And so and when I think of that, I think of, uh, of course, the plant-based proteins or or plant-based meat alternatives. Uh, I think of insect proteins uh, and, and, of course, cultured meats. What are some of the protein alternatives that are most exciting uh, for you?
1: For me, to be honest, all the alternative protein solutions are very exciting. Not only the um, insect based solutions, plant based solutions, fermented solutions, or clean meat solutions, they all have something in common, which makes me absolutely, um, exciting or where I'm really excited about because, um, to think, okay, of this kind of solutions, how they can really, I wouldn't say disrupt the market, but how they can change certain patterns of consumption. And this is what it makes so, so interesting to see, okay, how can we communicate insect-based proteins uh, nowadays into the market or to our customers this is something that is really really interesting to see is it more the functional perspective is it a sustainable perspective is it even the taste perspective and this kind of uh, ideas and to see how the market reacts on these new stories on in these new ways uh, of, of of getting proteins is something that's really really interesting
0: are there any insect-based proteins that are currently st- uh, sold in, in any of the stores? Like, for example, in Reals?
1: Yes, we were, we were the first retailer in the German market who sold insect-based pasta. And this is something what, is, what was a very, very interesting case, because the startup Plumento Food, when we met them the first time, we had really a lot of discussions and we helped them to get market or to get retail ready. So to create the point or uh, the, the, the proof of concept and to work with them till a certain stage where we can bring them into the market. And this was for us very very interesting. Nowadays there are in Germany many different kinds of uh, products in the shelves. But in with Real and also with Cash and Carry, we're at the moment focusing on this pasta because we think as a commodity pasta is the best way to discover how this kind of new source or protein source can be communicated and we give the feedback uh, back to the founders.
0: When it comes to getting approvals to get into the market, uh, plant-based solutions like the Impossible Burger, I'm sure, are a lot easier to get approvals for than, uh, of course, any types of cultured meats or even insect-based products. What is the average time it takes for a new product, maybe even a new technology, to get into market?
1: Since the beginning of this year, um, the approval process has changed a lot because nowadays we have this whole food novelty and this allows many founders to get easier access to the market. So the go-to-market is is, uh, getting um, easier than before. I think that the, the biggest challenges are not the approval by the government. These are also the changes that you need to consider what kind of information needs to be provided on your packaging, and if you're fast in 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 your in your changing process um, um, regarding the packaging, then the go to market in Germany is getting or in Europe is getting easier than than it did one or two years before.
0: As as a follow up to that, when we think of like the autom- automotive uh, or automobile market, we think that any changes made usually have like a seven year cycle before they're actually integrated in would you say that with with food tech it's it's closer to one to two years or or even shorter than that
1: i would say it's even shorter than that today because with food you can create more easily um, new products and uh, you can use some kind of already existing infrastructure The only thing is, if you are talking, for example, about insect food, that you need to be careful about the cross-contamination when you use certain facilities. But in a production way, and if you are not so much concerned about your intellectual property, you can use the infrastructure that is also existing. And this is something what I see in many food companies, that they are starting very lean, that they are using Contract manufacturing services, for example, and that they are using co-packers, that they are using an infrastructure that is already in place. And this is what, for me personally, makes also the whole new startup trend into food. That there are founders, entrepreneurs who are looking into an existing field, who are looking into existing sources or production facilities and are able to produce in a very, very lean way and this is what it makes so much or so much easier to produce something but if we are talking really about food tech when you are creating a new ip etc like for example um, cultured or clean meat or in vitro meat then of course it's it's a bit more difficult because you need to have also the whole scientific background behind it but therefore difficult to estimate but i would say that the whole product development development cycles are much shorter than in in other industries or in the industry of um, uh, automotive, for example.
0: So the the NX food program has a three-month trial for new products to market. And so when releasing a new type of product, what are the key metrics that startup founders look for uh, when they're doing their market testing?
1: The key metrics startup founders are looking for is, of course, the market reaction or the customer reaction on their product. This doesn't mean only the food taste or the taste of the product; it means also how appealing the whole packaging is to customers and This is something that's absolutely important because many founders and entrepreneurs we see in the food field they are starting with um the online channel as the first channel, and there's a huge difference between the online store and the re uh, and the and the physical store because online you can create a whole brand world around your product you can tell stories you can show movies etc but in the end um, if your product and just your product with the packaging is in the store between thousands of other products they are the parameters are totally different and this is something you sure uh, they should, or many many founders consider here and of course it's also and this is something where we help them the first touch base to when they get into contact with retailers we help them we show them how the whole retail environment is working from getting to the products into the stores, from uh, setting up the distributions, etc. And this is something that's really important. But the packaging part is also a very huge insight for us because we say the, when we get the, the first time products that were just sold online, we saw that the packaging, to be honest, was very, very difficult for a retail environment because it was not self-selling I would say there were no not so much information on the packaging etc and this is something founders should absolutely keen on product packaging in a retail environment is really one of the most important uh, um, most important things
0: i was just at a um a conference in los angeles and um it was it was called the Reducitarian conference so to kind of uh, reduce the impact on the environment and so there were a lot of food tech entrepreneurs there And I sat down and I met an entrepreneur and she reached into her bag and I thought she was going to give me a business card, but instead she gave me her, her packaging. She gave me her box uh because that was the fastest way to kind of show me what what the product was and and how she made it. And so uh it was the first time somebody gave me a uh a, a box instead of a business card, but but I think it is very important because um that packaging and that box is uh is really um what what that like you said is the first touch base.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you have to think about one one absolutely important thing. Food is something that is very, very emotional. With food, you can tell a lot of stories. And this is something um I worked a lot of also with uh, tech founders, etc. But when you meet food founders, food entrepreneurs, these are always people who do it from a very, very deep passion. Because, I mean, everybody has a connection to food, to be honest. But if you... Founding something, or if you're starting your own business into this environment, you, the, the, the people you you meet they are all so special. And this is what I like about this sector. They are so so passionate. They are so ambitious. Uh, and and if they tell your stories, they they give you a lot of values with it, etc. And this is something which makes me absolutely interesting. This is and and therefore the the whole area of food tech is so special because you have this this really um, big parts of the technog- uh, technological part, but also this emotional part that food has. And if both parts come together, something really new and something re- really interesting yeah, starts. And this is something, uh, this is what makes the whole field so interesting for me.
0: There's been a recent wave of interest in plant-based meats and protein alternatives. What, what do you think has caused this increase in demand for these items?
1: I think the reason why we have an increase into a demand of replacement or meat replacement is that the people are aware that our current food system is, I wouldn't say broken, but uh, it's somehow not so sustainable as it should be. And if we are always hearing the numbers that in 2050 we will be uh, 9.8 billion people living on this planet... That nowadays the second biggest, um, source of CO2 emissions is, uh, um, comes from, from the food production. And then the people start to rethink. And, um, as I said, well, that we are also in a time where you can talk about the democratization of food, that everybody is now able to create his own food identity or his own food profile and People are also, well, they they want to do something good for themselves and they want to be really selective. I wouldn't say that um, many people are not looking into meat in general, uh, um, but they're more selective and they want to have more clean food. Clean food, clean meat. And if I'm talking now about clean meat, I don't mean in vitro meat, I mean meat with a clean history that says for example that that the product itself has a certain history and that you know where it comes from and that it's that it's after your own definition clean meat and this is something what helps where, where many people create their own profile and of course there's a huge demand also now for all the plant based alternatives because the people want to consume in a cleaner way in a more sustainable way to do something for their own but also to do something for the environment and this is uh, then covered by their own nutritional um journey i would say and um, therefore we have an yeah more or therefore we have an, an, an increase in this kind of products
0: i totally see that you know people are being more selective and and i think that that's a a an interesting thing to look at. But when we're talking about the, um, the protein alternatives, maybe the increase is more of a uh, something that we're talking about. And, and you made a good point that a lot of people look at this 9.8 billion people by 2050 type of statistic. Uh, but we, we see that the meat consumption is still going up. So, so the increase in demand for these protein alternatives is is it would you say it's actually significant at this point or from a from a sales standpoint in the in the retail world is it a s- significant metric
1: i would say that it is a significant metric um but we need to see when will be there the the point where the people um accept the new alternatives as or the new replacements as really a replacement for traditional industrialized meat uh, production for example let's say okay for example i'm eating in a very selective way i'm looking for a very good piece of meat uh, once in a week yeah uh, where i know exactly where it comes from where i know exactly the story behind and the rest i will try to be to 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 eat in a very clean way in a very healthy and 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 environment or in a, in a very sustainable way and i think um therefore we need to have the right communicational and also the right, right educational tools to support this social development and um, this is what is um is getting more and more interesting because we we shouldn't forget that if we are talking about the the what we call flexitarians, people who are looking in a very flexible way into meat, that these are just a small percentage of the of the whole population. But if we have the right solutions in place, which help us to really bring healthy meat in other places into our society in in the market, then it gets more and more interesting. And then I think we have also somehow. The tipping point where we can keep the level of taste but with an alternative solution and this is what when it gets more and more interesting.
0: Can you imagine a future where we replace the traditional animal agriculture system with completely with cell-based meats
1: or alternative proteins that are either plant-based or
0: insect-based?
1: This is really a very very big question and um, to be honest as much as I support all the replacement and all the alternative products, I don't think that there will be a time where everything will be replaced. Because we have, on the other hand, and this is what I call scratch food, we have food with a certain history, with a certain manufacturing or handcraft, handcraft history. And this kind of food, is for many, many people something really special for gourmets, etc. And this is something, because of its history and because also of the way this food was prepared, is something where I think that will still exist in the future. Because this is food with face, I would say. Food that has some or this um, uh, incorporates in a certain value that the people think really, okay, if I eat this kind of cheese, yeah, with my glass of wine, then it stands also for a certain culture. And this is something what is absolutely important also for the, for, for, for our own identity to have this kind of products. If there would be products that really replace all this kind of solution, then it gets really, really difficult to see, um, to still have this own identity. And I think we will have major changes. And I'm also looking forward to have this major changes in the market. But I think that there's still the need for some good anim- animal based products.
0: I think one of my favorite foods, uh, German foods, is uh, Schweinhexe, and I think <laughs> I think a plant I think a plant based Schweinhexe would be very hard to to produce.
1: <laughs> yeah, so. that will, will be very very difficult for me. For example, I'm a big cheese lover, and uh, this is something um, when I look into this kind of food and and when I think about how it's produced and and, and etc. It will be very very difficult to imagine that this is somehow f- uh, produced in a factory with uh, some stuff now that i've i've totally different pictures in in my mind and this is for example there's uh, hendrik hase from berlin who has an own um, totally transparent um, butchery and they are producing really really good uh, meat there and they are showing it and they are showing also the whole history behind it and this is something what makes it so special. Um, and um, yeah, so that I think that this kind of concept, they will still exist in the future.
0: For the entrepreneurs that are listening in uh, that are either working on any type of future food tech or uh, even cell-based meat projects that or uh, or any really anyone looking to start a new product, uh, what advice do you have for them to get started in the food tech space or the food space?
1: I would always say, Try to validate your market as best as possible. Try to get as much feedback and um, um, to develop this kind of product. And listen to the market. Listen to all the food hunters, food lovers, and foodies out there. And listen to those who are taking uh, uh, care of food. This is uh, the one side. But also try not to be in a bubble because they are not only this people who are so much looking into food they are also the people who use it more as a functional aspect to to be not hungry anymore and to you have also to listen to them so this is what i think is absolutely important if you bring a food product to the market to validate the market to look into as much channels as possible to get customer feedback and this is also what we are doing with Anix food It's not that we have one channel partner, we have many channel partners. We have not only metro related partners, we have also external partners where we can really say, okay, you, you as a founder, through our program and our three months validation phase, you get as much feedback in the different kind of channels. And this is absolutely important to prove your market. And so we call this phase proof of concept to proof of market phase. And if you are successful in this phase, we help you to scale up in the certain channels. And this is what Annex Food stands for. And in the future, we're also supporting you to um, in your expansion that you are also able to scale up into other countries. And this is important. So for all the founders, entrepreneurs outside, prove your market, find the right partners for your company, and validate it. And especially if you are looking into in, into investors, It's absolutely important that you're working with the right personalities. It is absolutely important that not money is on the first place, but people are in the first place. Look with whom you are working. This is absolutely important. Before we wrap
0: up, I I had a question uh, regarding – you mentioned co-packers. And uh, I guess my question is that for someone that's not in the food space at all, if I had an idea to create, for example, a snack bar – and I knew that I wanted to have uh, peanuts, bananas, and blueberries in this snack bar. Is it such that I can put together a plan, go to a co-packer, and then have them make it? Or is, is it a lot more complicated than that?
1: It depends on, on the partner and then the co-packer you are. But there are more and more um, co-working spaces um, that are supporting you in developing this kind of products and if you have in a certain way all this uh, products in place then you find the right co workers who are uh, who will say okay this is something that uh, is in our portfolio we will help you with this but uh, therefore it's absolutely important to have some uh, uh, to look into the whole topic up front to have also some idea how i produce this kind of stuff and then you will also find the right uh, the right partners i know many companies that had an idea about a product they de- uh, developed the prototype in their kitchen. Um, then they had a rental kitchen. If they had a certain uh, level, they were able to co- to go to the right co But I had also uh, some some people who discovered the pro- co packer right. They have uh, identified their own recipe, and then they uh, the co packers helped them to, uh, to to ramp up. So they are a different kind, and it uh, and absolutely depends on the level of ip in your product if it's such easy as you said and it won't be so difficult to get the right partner
0: you can learn more about fabio on linkedin and check out the efood blog at www.efood-blog.com and that's in german and nxfood at www.nx-food.com fabio are there any last insights you might have for our listeners today
1: Yes, if you're ever interested in getting into the European, into the German or into the Asian market with your products, please feel free to get in contact with me. It was such a nice conversation with you, Alex, and I'm looking forward to listen to your podcast and thank you for your great work.
0: Fabio, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your insight on the Cultured Meat and Future Food podcast. This is your host, Alex, and we look forward to being with you on our next episode.